Today we interviewed Hazer Novich, entrepreneur, artist, videographer, and fifth generation Montanan. We chat about his path from living in arts districts to moving toward corporate life and then back again. This was a really fun interview to record, and if you're looking to pivot your career, this could be a really great episode for you. Enjoy. Welcome back to Cutting Through the Noise. We're here with Hazer Novich. Hazer, welcome to Cutting Through the Noise. Thank you so much for joining us today in studio. I know. It's so cool to be here in person. In Thank person. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. It's been a while. And we've already had a lot of, uh, a lot of discussions so far about uh, your background. But for our listeners, why don't you just quickly sort of who is Hazer? And um, actually, can you explain your, your name, Hazer? You said it's one of the most Western names. I'm yeah. Like, what is that? How yeah. Is that? So people don't realize it because uh, it sounds a little bit out there. But uh, a Hazer is actually one of two people in a steer dogging team. There's the person that jumps off the horse, and then there's the person that keeps the steer going straight and close to the other person Crazy. so they can jump off the horse. So, yes. That's a hazer. Very Western. Mm-hmm. And so does that mean that you were born in Montana? I think I saw in your profile, this is fourth generation? Yeah, fifth fourth generation. generation. So my family came over, mined in Butte, and made it all the way down to Twin Bridges to start cattle ranches. And then all my, the way down. Yep. And then my grandpa jumped into opening the uh, insurance agency there in Twin Bridges. Wow. Yeah, you don't don't meet many fifth generation montanans yeah my aunt and i talk about it we're like it it could be close to fifth generation but yeah it's kind of wild tracking everything back yeah and you know when i first sort of saw your name come across my desktop screen it was on linkedin mm-hmm. and it was your name was attached to a video that i saw specifically a drone video and that was how i said oh this is somebody i hadn't come across before it looks like you know, you're in Western Montana. We do, as Pintler Group, a lot of work in Butte. And I thought, this is somebody that I kind of want to talk with. And as I started to dive more into your profile, into your online, you know, online presence, um, it seems like you've got a lot more going on than just drone flying. Can you talk a little bit about sort of, is that how a lot of people discover you through through your drone work? Uh, surprisingly not. No. So uh, the FP, well, I've, I've always kind of done a lot of drone video um, in my commercial production work. Uh, but the FPV specifically was a COVID pickup. So I had kind of decided to jump into it and had all of the things I needed. And then COVID hit and I had enough time to fly thousands of packs at my house and get better. Because it is, they're essentially race drones. So there's no computer oh, wow. control. All of it is user operation. Wow. So there's no, like, there's must be a stabilizer. Yeah, like so you have a, well, so that's the thing. So, like, if I take my hands off the sticks, yeah, my drone will fall out of the sky. Oh, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I have a flight controller, which takes, it, it stabilizes in the sense that it makes the drone do what the sticks are commanding. Yep. But that's it. Like, even the, even the motors, I source all the motors, all the components, you build the frame, you solder the boards together. Whoa. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fun process, but it's... It is uh, very, very involved. So nobody else in the state of Montana, it's safe to say, has this drone. Oh, it's this specific one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. Definitely. There's a handful of pilots. Um, yeah. I've been really lucky in the sense of, of getting to meet a couple. And I had one friend that kind of got into the hobby with me. He's leaving, sadly, but uh, he's a jeweler. So it's like, yeah, got to focus up on work right now. Yeah. And I guess not a lot of, there's not a lot of need for drone no. photography and no it was business. A, it was definitely on the side of the rc hobby got it mm-hmm. got it um talk to me a little bit how you got into that and maybe back up a little bit even further and talk about how yeah it's this, a story yeah let's hear it so about over 
over the last decade, I've done essentially photography and in a few different genres and then video work alongside that. So when I started out, I was going to business school in Bozeman and started shooting concerts around the state and built up my first kind of social following there uh, because I was the guy that had all the photos after a show. So yeah. when producers didn't want to pay, I said, okay, well, I'll host the, the assets. It was, you know, not a big, big ask. And they didn't realize, like, once I had a page that had the entire show, you know, network right. on it, that there was, there was more value in that than the, whatever, 50 bucks that they would have tried to pay me at the time. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so that kind of was the kickoff for a handful of years, and I really wanted to ramp it up and try to do some type of, of event coverage that covered the whole state. And being in Bozeman, I realized there was probably no way I could afford to live in Bozeman and mm -hmm. keep running that project. So I dropped out of college and uh, decided to travel uh, the United States and kind of scope out a few theories that I had with arts and entrepreneurship. Yeah. And, yeah. So, so. you're scoping out... So what, what were some of the cities that you landed in or that you spent the most amount of time in? Uh, Denver, went down to Tampa, um, actually ended up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Really? For a yeah, those are some different, those are truly like yeah. different corners of the country. Yeah, here. and then I, I basically tried to hit some spots in between, but uh, definitely spent the most time in Denver uh, and the specifically the Rhino Arts District there, Very River cool. North. Okay. Um, I had a couple of friends there that were there. And then the story with that area was it was really, you know, rundown kind of warehouse district style, you know, holes in windows was not fun to be in in the winter. Yeah. And uh, fast forward five, six years when I was there and it was starting to be one of the hottest like arts districts. And uh, I think the catalyst for that was actually a mural project for the back alleys from the cannabis cups, Oh wow! which is funny because you don't think of it as like having that kind of effect on like the arts and culture but it wasn't like like it wasn't a bunch of weed montages it was just sure. street artists making beautiful artwork and it, it created a really big uh draw to that area then design firms moved in oh, wow. breweries coffee shops and just really with that high level of like craftsmanship that area turned from you know really run down to a really really cool area like the opposite of rundown yeah like yeah. some of the most expensive apartments in the Isn't in the that city crazy? yeah it's it's mind-boggling the power wow so so denver that was your last stop before coming back to montana yep okay so uh when i left bozeman i figured i was going to go find the place i was going to go land and i never expected to land 90 miles from where i left right um i ended up coming back to shoot evil days with a a friend because i've always been a fan of action sports stuff yeah evil can days for those in that don't know down yep. down in butte and it's it's uh not running anymore but it used to be quite a quite a fantastic festival of of just everything extreme is that right yeah um awesome. so the year that i think i came back was shoot nitro circus oh wow yeah yeah this is the was it travis it's travis pastrana yeah yeah why did they stop that and, festival any idea uh man poor management is that um right? so there's it's a really long like that okay. one right. that one could be a whole podcast that could episode. be a whole it's, podcast yeah. what happened to evil days it really could it yeah. could be a couple a, a series yeah so it was okay. a handful of uh drunk phone calls from some of the <laughs> oh no yeah there was there was messages left it, it kind of blew a blew a put a wedge between some of the local people that do action sports and then the 
the festival yeah that's people too bad. so that's too bad yeah it was unfortunate it's really sad to see it go but it is what it is it is what it is yep. right so and now there's folk fest but there's all there will always be saint Patrick's yeah Day. folk fest has yeah. been there for a, a good amount of time it's yeah. an awesome festival as well but that non i don't know if you've been down to the irish mm-hmm. festival if you ever get a chance go down there it's fantastic Check it's, that one out. it's probably one of the most culturally um tight festivals i would say in montana so oh, like wow. if they they bring acts in um from all over ireland they usually each year those acts kind of travel through the states as a group so wow. it's really authentic there and then butte a lot of people don't realize it but there's a lot of dance schools in butte uh-huh. teaching specifically like uh traditional irish dance in in this case and uh so they have like 120 dancers through really? the through the age ranks from you know we call it my my friend calls them littles they're like <laughs> the, the kindergarten yeah and then uh all the way up through uh high school and then cool. they actually i think they've had a couple of dancers that ended up going to nationals oh wow yeah you'll have to look up when that goes down any idea uh so it's postponed this year sadly okay. because the uh there wasn't enough certainty for them to travel and, yeah, yeah and then with the the um visa restrictions i guess it, yeah. they have to be able to hit a certain amount of stops for it to be like worth it for the perf- uh, for the traveling like the music parts um so unfortunately i don't think they've gotten to dance since like 2019 oh bummer yeah so maybe 2022 yeah it'll be great come roaring back mm-hmm. good yeah good so that's how i got to butte yeah and then uh during that trip i was bsing with uh one of my friends there who, who owned the the times bar and he was like i just broke up with my girlfriend i got an extra room <laughs> like you know yeah what do you think i was living in my car at that point so he well i've always loved butte i'd heard that was how we met was through shows and everything but uh yeah so i i started crashing on on the extra bed which was he didn't tell me it was a kid's bed (laughs) (laughs) so i was i was crashing on a kid's bed for a little while so you get your feet hanging off the end yeah hanging on butte i lived with him for about six months as i prepped a package for a sarda grant which i ended up getting which was like 30 grand very nice yeah so that was for uh to basically build butte a tourism like there's city campaigns what i was building was i have a campaign that i want to run privately and the grant money was basically like i want to do 30 tourism videos and run them through this marketing campaign and, and start building out this basically stigma fighting campaign which is yeah. why we classified it. We called it Rethink Butte. And uh, yeah. the funny thing was it started with uh, dumpster art. Dumpster art. Mm-hmm. So while I was about that. living with Frank, the, uh, I was like, okay, I've got to make at least a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, he had uh, an artist coming in that did spray paint art. And I was like, hey, for a promo, like, why don't we paint the dumpster? And I'll, fil- I'll you know, film it and yeah. then we can put it out as like a little Facebook promo for your your art show yeah so frank ran down and asked mcgrees if it was okay and uh came back and he said they literally don't care oh my god thumbs up <laughs> yeah so sideways. he's like we're like, good okay. we're good nice um and so we painted that first one and it was like oh this is actually really cool it did pretty well and then yeah we uh were like at the at that time butte had been having a lot of articles coming out about how ugly the dumpsters were because they're you know they're green like everything else but they're pretty beat up and okay. and you know rusty and yada yeah, yada, yada. like dumpsters are not pretty things i don't usually look at a dumpster and think that oh it, yeah that's a canvas it, right it needs yeah. some work but okay cool. yeah so uh we started just basically selling little packages to businesses 
around town he'd charge i think like 250 for the painting and i'd and then i'd charge 250 for making a video and making like a marketing piece for that business yeah and then launch it through my platform and uh i think we ended up the biggest video did like 26 million views and but we over the course of i think 20 dumpsters that we did like the average probably ended up being like i think we had a couple that did like 200,000 which when you're thinking about it's like it, at that point, it was art coming out of Butte that was getting more more views and attention than anywhere in the state. Or, yeah, maybe even the Pacific Northwest, for that matter. For that moment, it might have been. Wow. And so it was a really cool cool deal. And unfortunately, <clears throat> or fortunately, I guess, Trent kind of uh, upgraded to wanting to do bigger, bigger stuff than dumpsters. Mm-hmm. And his Facebook, I mean, I think he had 30,000 fans on his Facebook wow, by the I'll end of it, which was great. To it, yeah. yeah, it was the Montana Spray Painter. Okay. And then we did like got a commission to do like a a tractor trailer for for uh, a lady with a semi. <laughs> really? So like the whole sides of a of a tractor trailer. What? That sounds amazing. <clears throat> yeah. So that was pretty insane. Um, and it was a big like space and dragon themed, like kind of mystical fantasy piece. Yep. So yeah, that scale was pretty big. And then uh, yeah, we did a handful of other things and just filmed them. And at that point. Yeah, we kind of ended up, I got busy with the Rethink Butte stuff and kind of covering yep. festivals. Yep, Trent sort of did that. his own thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so at what point did you start with Northwestern Energy? Because that seems like a big shift. Like, okay, I'm in Butte yeah. and now I'm, you know. Well, I'm, so Butte's headquarters is actually, or the Northwestern Energy headquarters is actually like two blocks from where I lived. Down in, okay. I, yeah. I didn't know that. I know we've got a big office here but i didn't know their hq was down there. oh yeah yeah there's like 300 employees oh no way yeah okay then yeah, that's news big. to me that's yeah. cool yeah but so, just you know psychologically it was a big like, jump. hey i'm i'm doing this like extremely autonomous these autonomous some would call projects. it traumatic jump. traumatic jump into yeah. the corporate world of northwest energy yeah what was uh what was spurring that was it hey i'm dumpster are well, isn't paying the bills no uh so actually i switched over to run and rethink butte for like two years mm-hmm. and then that was about how long it took for the grant money like the grant to kind of fall through or not fall through but yeah wrap up yep and uh so as a lead into that i'd gotten a, a space in uptown and started building a gallery and the cool thing about butte is like there's a lot of buildings where you can live in them so we lived uh. in the back of it and it was a two thousand square foot space on basically well so where the northwestern building is now okay was like a block down Very so cool. it had a great spot and it was in a good location and it was 800 bucks a month for the gallery space and our living space that, and it the was gallery like space yeah. and the living space 800 yeah bucks. so it was like four thousand square feet for 800 bucks a month <laughs> And that was part of like why I was like, Butte is a magical place where you can buy a building cheaper than a house. That is incredible. Yeah. And uh, so we spent about six months getting it all prepped and ready to go hard into tourism season. Yeah. And I got the call in probably like April that the guy had sold the building and mm. the new person wanted this out. And so that was the, the reason for the traumatic, frantic search for a job. Yeah. Um, and I think my resume... Basically, when I went into my, my job meeting, I dropped like a 120-page uh, report from the... Because I had to report it all for the, the grant anyway. Yeah. So I had like a 120-page, you know, social media 
like portfolio entire thing this, yeah all the analytics everything, everything. and yeah, that's and the interview went for like two and a half hours and then it was got the call back and oh wow yeah so must have been a big kudos and affirmation that okay my work is you know, yeah i don't just think my work is good other mm-hmm. people are looking at this and saying yeah this is top quality stuff i mean northwest yeah. energy that's the big leagues yeah it was really cool and and the thing that was nice there was like they have jd power reports oh, okay. so there's literally a top level like analyzing their work yeah. and uh in the six months that i worked there uh we broke records for jd power dang yeah what does that mean for JD Power? What kind so, of so uh, JD Power does like report, like industry reports on performance. Like they do surveys, call around. So like when I'm talking about uh, record breaking, PR record breaking. Got so it. like when I br- got brought in, they basically had had a really rough year um, with PR in general. Yeah. Like people were really mad at them, and uh, so then we we got in there, and then after that six months, we were at the highest highest reports that they'd uh, gotten. And then once once I'd redesigned the entire system, because that, that's a pretty big system. They have, like, we had, like, seven or eight departments that needed to be at least able to, like, kind of funnel information into the main social media stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it was really fun to, like, get into the nuts and bolts of building that program. And I was like, what better challenge is there than, than you know, doing marketing for a company that doesn't, like, like people can't choose whether or not to buy it. And yeah. nobody wants to pay their power bill. So it was a, it was a really good marketing challenge. And I've always totally. wanted to get that back end knowledge of what's going on. What do I need to be like? How do I need to present my, you know, photo bids, my stuff like that to even get in the door, or be yeah. considered a vendor to seeing, yeah, to seeing yeah. that side of it that you're, you might be hiring vendors. Mm-hmm. So you're understanding that process. Oh, very neat. Um, so how did you approach that challenge? What are um, some of the ways that you approach learn. Yeah. So whenever I take on a new client and that's probably why I, I, that was probably my mistake in the last five years is I've tried to keep my client list pretty small Mm -hmm. and do a lot of work for one client for like a year and a half and then pick up a new client. Cause a lot of times I'll do like an entire portfolio refresh video photos, like just a content refresh that like a lot of the companies haven't refreshed photos since there was film photographers in house you know, 20 years ago. Right. They think I've got a website. I'm good. Mm -hmm. So kind of the way my mind works is I end up just jumping in and learning everything. So even though I'm a marketer, even though I'm like an artist, you know, I knew, you know, I've met with the accounting people. I flew all over the territory because Northwestern energy is one of the largest, um, geographic energy providers in the United States. So total square miles of, yeah, uh, it covers three States. So there was a, a good amount of time on the jet and then, um, yeah, getting to go down to the call centers, meet people, talk to people, see what they're actually dealing with as far as, as you know, what's the customer service people dealing with? Cause a lot of times there's a disconnect between like the marketing department of like those bigger corporations right? versus the people that day to day see people. And like talk to, what are your actual exactly. problems that yeah, you want so marketing I, to help I, address? I talked with Lion Man, I'd spend a day in the truck, I'd go and you know, ask him like the more difficult questions, like how do you feel about this? How's the interaction? see if there's actually content that I can produce that's going to kind of target that goal. And uh, what I kind of came to was they just needed good PR. Mm. And so what I... Positive stories. Yeah, exactly. And and essentially they needed a shield. Mm -hmm. They needed a shield against bad press and the newspapers love to rip them down because it's the 
big corporation. It's a big so it's power it's company. an easy hit. Shutting the power of, off, right? Yeah, or yeah. like you know they don't want they want to get their taxes lowered. I'm like they're the they're the largest uh, land or whatever uh, real estate taxpayer in the in the state. Oh wow! So yeah, there's always like it, but anybody that wants to get elected, it's an easy way to like get points. Sure. So yep. yeah. Yeah, that's a challenge. Yeah, it's certainly a challenge. But so I just basically brought in. I was like, "You guys need a tourism campaign." Ugh. Like, tell me how hard it is to to have a bad sentiment on just a world class image of your community that never gets visited. Right. You know. So I would pop over. It cracked me up because I was like in Billings. We had 500 shares on a post, and I was like, "For Northwest Energy, you got to realize this. Like, this isn't you know visit Billings. This is Northwestern Energy yeah. <laughs> getting <laughs> right. shared like crazy." And, and the biggest thing was like, look, your name is attached to this. We don't need to put logos everywhere. We don't need to like yeah. watermark the cred out of it. to say at the end to set yeah. up your power, call. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, keep the messaging simple because like they have so many rules and regulations as far as text goes. Yeah. I'm like, if it's almost just more dangerous to put words on a post anyway, just keep yes. it to the photos because like they can get back, you know, you just can't. There's so much review. There's so much regulation around what they can and can't say yeah. that if I wanted to go and just make a post that was going to be like power company related, I'd probably have to run it through the legal department. It would take you the whole yeah, six it months. Would, yeah, it would be miserable. I mean, I, I, uh, it took me six months to get the social media policy change oh, so that I could access social media on my work computer. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, that was right around when I convinced my boss to... Uh, turn me back into a contract worker <laughs> nice. so i could just do content so then you went into content yeah back into the autonomous world of freelancing and yeah. entrepreneurship which is where you're most comfortable yeah so yeah. i mean i've it's hilarious to say in my 20s i've had one job yeah it just happened to be a salaried position at the at the biggest company in the state. <laughs> right. Yeah, it stood out on your LinkedIn. Like, oh, that's, yeah. I want, definitely want to hear about that. Yeah, it's been, and it was cool too, because I, I got to meet so many people there. And, and through working with a lot of the different corporations that I have, there's that easy jump to like, they're horrible and they, you know, but I don't end up working with a corporation. I end up working with the people that have been working on remediation for 20 years. Right. The people that have, you know, been working on projects and pushing projects for years and years. So even like, uh, a lot of the remediation work that I jumped into for Arco, which is uh, Atlantic Richfield. It's a okay. um, BP sub subsidiary. Mm -hmm. um, but they're in charge of all of the remediation around Butte. Wow. And so we were documenting all of the, basically all of the different projects they'd done, but also, and, and heavily the Anaconda um, kind of area. Yeah. So like the black sand, that I think there's only like five or 600 feet of black sand that isn't capped uh -huh. and that entire valley used to be barren like nothing was growing on it and i had like photos of elk herds in front of the anaconda stack That's amazing and just antelope yeah. all over the place and yeah it's truly an incredible success story when you think about the clark fork river as a whole oh, yeah you know there used to be a giant dam mm -hmm. like right outside of town here and then it broke and it's gone well they took it down didn't <laughs> well they? no so i don't know if it was the the dam out here but there was one point where there was a a like buildup of sludge that rolled down oh yikes yeah i know that the, the it was catalyst. it was back in the day but it was not yeah. a, i i wouldn't have wanted to fly over you know that general area no. back in the day it would have been probably a pretty sad scene pretty sad the catalyst i believe we did work with the clark Fork coalition here in town mm -hmm. they're the, the nonprofit. 
They do um, a ton. They do a ton. And they, you know, that was one of their big early victories. I mean, a massive victory. Yeah. But I think the catalyst for that, as I was talking to their executive director, she said there was a giant ice jam one year that mm-hmm. came down from the Blackfoot. And it, what they decided to do was kind of drain the dam to stop the ice jam. But what yeah. that ice jam ended up doing was just blowing through it not blowing through the dam but stopping before it luckily but it oh. ended up churning up it went so deep into the ground that it churned up all that sludge oh god gotcha. that was like disturbed it and that's probably horrible it. again yep. and yeah then, and then it, i think that was what qualified it as a super fun site mm-hmm. shortly after i'd have to check my facts on that specifically oh, it but wouldn't yeah it, it wouldn't surprise me i mean you know go yeah. jump around in a creek for a second it gets it gets yeah. muddy real fast, totally. so I can only imagine when that stuff gets buried under sediment, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. No, it just kind of no. gets capped. I mean, that's the that's basically the concept with most of the remediation is bring in whatever it is, twelve to eighteen inches of of topsoil and cap everything. Yeah, and just you know try to centrally start growing over top oh of it and bury it down in the. Reminds me of Chernobyl. Did you see oh, that yeah. in a, on HBO? Yeah, that was like an amazing. Put a cap series. over the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that possible? Yeah, that was, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen Chernobyl, go check it out. It really is a good series. Yeah. Uh, so we, we're going to skip a couple steps, but I want to hear sure. about the pivot. Yeah. And maybe so, if you need to backtrack a little bit to help us understand the pivot, let let me know. But talking uh, about Not a ton. I can okay. I can keep that one pretty quick. So yeah. uh, got linked up with Reallink um, and was shooting their entire image portfolio and then their 2020 promo over the last year and a half before covid um and it it was awesome i mean it was a big part of my income but i've always had a handful of income streams yeah so it was a good chunk of it but it wasn't all of it and more and more i realized i was wanting to start doing more projects that are mine and less of like it's fun to work with one client especially if you enjoy working with people and that relationship was amazing because i got to go like you know two three weeks at a time with the communications director and we would just travel the rail system oh wow yeah so it was it was an awesome experience and once again i got to learn so much about the rail system which was really cool yeah but i've i kind of started to get to the point where i'm like well i've i don't know that i really want to work down the list of like largest companies because mm. i've, I've kind of hit that point where i'm like i've you know hit hit the top five yeah you've I was got like, a that's lot of a long heavy goal. hitters i think on your list yeah there's some, yeah. some serious heavy hitters there yeah and so now the pivot was kind of came into COVID and then came into winter which winter's always kind of an introverted uh more time to think um time for any photographer I think could relate to that yeah and so what I really got into is I've been doing a lot of tourism or not tourism sorry landscape photography Mm -hmm. and was in a gallery and kind of got to a point where I was like I'm not really in it's not that I don't want to go travel and shoot uh landscape stuff but like competing or growing in that market the only way that i saw was basically to leave montana and i try to like Hmm. i try not to pivot any of my career points to that lead to inevitably having to leave montana having to move so with like landscape stuff if you want to go bigger you essentially have to go bigger so if you're one of the world's renowned landscape photographers i guarantee you shoot you know the dolomites and yes yeah so you travel and you go to the biggest mountains you can find and you take beautiful pictures of the biggest mountains and that's really awesome but it wasn't what i wanted to do yeah so i i through the winter i started looking at what i could do differently in photography and found a new kind of more abstract more artistic style of nature photography that's like really macro oriented so it's close-ups of of stuff but it's uh 
gets shot, I use a piece of black glass. So it gives a really cool reflection and really cool colors that I can play with. Whoa. So that kind of opened the door of like creativity and kind of got me re-sparked on like, okay, maybe I, maybe I don't want to like worry too much about, you know, where I'm headed and just start playing around for the winter. Yeah. Um, and that was also the same time where a lot of the drone FPV stuff uh, kind of got ramped up because with all the film stuff going on, I had a few friends in that network and I was basically ramping up to like, do I get a big cinema drone or do I get into this this hobby style stuff yeah. and I felt like the hobby style stuff offered something that was a lot more enjoyable day to day cool and uh then the biggest pivot was I picked up a CNC machine over the winter what's that I was so CNC machine is a it's a computer operated router table okay so cuts out parts manufacturing parts basically Whoa. weird step um but we were working on the van build out and I've I I've got a shop and then a second shop at my house now um, that I've been building out over the last couple of years. And so the CNC table was going to be an option for me to basically take art and put it into wood. Got so it. crazy cabinets, whatever custom stuff I wanted to do around the house. Yeah. And uh, I have a friend that is a water jetter. So he cuts parts out of, out of, we're with a water jet. Yeah. Whoa. But he ends up with tons and tons of really cool waste, in my opinion. Like, he just sees the parts cut out of a sheet that needs to be recycled, and it's a pain in the butt for him. Yeah. Whereas I go up, and I'm like, that's a four-foot by eight-foot, like, quarter-inch or half-inch piece of aluminum that has cool, crazy designs cut <laughs> yeah. out that would... Like, if I brought you this job, it would cost me so much <laughs> right. to have you cut this for me, but it's already there. Right. And so uh, he ended up with a plexiglass project. Um, that was going to give him, it was basically 1,200 sheets of plexiglass, but the offcuts from it had basically an 8-inch by 4-inch um, offcut on the top. Mm. So like the footer and the header of it where you can't cut, the no more patterns would fit onto that shape. Um, and then the bigger one at the bottom was 8-inch by 4-foot. So there was a 4-foot by, sorry, 4-foot, by like four inch so a smaller strip on the top and a larger strip on the bottom that okay. was about eight inches which happens to be just the type of plexiglass i need for my cnc machine because i had started playing around with plexiglass and yeah. it's like 14 bucks for a two foot by one foot piece of plexiglass Whoa. yeah so i was like well i'll take some yeah and i snapped off a couple pieces worked with it and it was great yeah and then it came time to well do you want the rest or what's up yeah, right. and the rest was about five tons of plexiglass five tons five tons so it's taken me the last couple of weeks just to get it chopped up into organizable piles but it was a lot more than just those strips so i have you know eight foot strips with chunks on it at the bottom that are a couple feet still left or four feet still left so yeah. i have a lot of like this is amazing different thicknesses different stuff so yeah once i got into that I knew I was going to be doing the plexiglass stuff. I started looking into LEDs. Um, I've always loved lighting, even from back when I was doing shows. Yeah. And so having a sculpture material that's translucent, it just made a lot of sense to be able to light them internally or like integrate lighting, especially with the CNC where I can, I can cut aluminum to hide the lights. I can, yes. I can really work with ways to kind of integrate lighting versus light a thing right. like from the outside. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, so I, funny enough, I figured, found out this morning, I had a, a post that I made a couple of days ago in the mildly interesting subreddit. 
<laughs> that uh, I guess went to the front page of subreddit. Really? Or of Reddit, yeah. So I, I got on this morning and it's got like 46,000 upvotes and just hundreds and hundreds of comments. No way. Yeah. We'll have to link up to that too. Yeah, it was a fun one because it, it literally was like the, the mildly interesting part was like, I think I like the sta- the the shadow of my sculpture better than the sculpture itself, <laughs> because it's it's just cool. The, the material's translucent, but the edges are frosted and cut, so yeah. it gives this really cool shadow where you know you you can see the different levels or layers of material, but you also have these hard and soft edges, and then pair that with the fact that it's kind of probably more either modernist or like kind of almost like if you took mid-century architecture and put it into a sculpture mm-hmm. it's kind of simple lines simple shapes but builds up to to being something you know more substantial than squares oh. um but yeah so sculpture is where i'm headed yeah that yeah. is a shift that's a pivot yeah that's super exciting congratulations thank you yeah i'm always just amazed at um just the talent that exists not only here in montana but yeah in creative individuals everywhere it's like okay how does you know like i said i found i found you through your cinematography and through your drone work and blame it on the adhd and here we go you're getting into into sculpting this is yeah this is amazing that's that's one of the things if you don't have a job you have to keep moving totally i always kind of joke i'm like if i stop moving i know that in about a day and a half i will just have an in, insane like cloud coming towards me of just dread of oh, like no. oh if things slow down I don't know what the future is going <laughs> to yeah. look like anymore. Right. So yeah, even if you have yeah. a job, you slowing down is never a good idea. Yeah. Keep always be learning. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to, I kind of built my life around, um, being able to have, have time to pursue my things as much as my interests or my creative interests outside of, of what I specifically do. Plus I probably have a, a problem with turning hobbies into ways that I make money. Hey, that's a skill. Yeah. Um, I'd say some would say it's a problem. I'd call it skill. Focusing, I guess, or, or paring down the hobbies is, is the, that's kind of where it's all at right now is it's finally kind of coming into focus. Yeah. That's yeah. great. How do people find out more about you? Uh, are- right now, LinkedIn's actually a great spot. They just great. gave me, um, the option to, I don't know if it's like LinkedIn influencer status or what. Oh, wow. Yeah, it popped up this morning. It's been a weird it's morning of pop-ups. It's been a weird morning. Yeah, you, you got yeah. some work to do this afternoon to yeah, so, uh, embrace your new stardom. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a new set of settings. I don't know if they they're just rolling it out or what's going on, but it just cool. popped up and it's like a I don't know if it's creator settings, something. They had a like slightly off influencer settings. Um, but that's essentially what it is. So now it converts my metrics to instead of the you know like the 500 plus connections metric or whatever that's what shows up so i guess now it changes my profile to show following and like pushes the option to follow instead of connect oh interesting and then um it moves some of the things around in my feed so it features work more heavily oh cool like you know when you go look into a feed it's a lot of it's usually like yeah like whatever your comments or yeah Yeah. so i think it it kind of shifts it towards the content and a little bit less away from like who you commented on yeah that's good yeah i think that's good for you so it'll be a fun exploration but yeah i've been putting a lot of like i've i don't know that i've ever had a a social media page for like personal use because even even when i started in like 2010 i made like a photography page 
Right. So and it was attached to your personal account, but yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's but I've essentially even my personal account on Facebook is like maxed out on follower or maxed out on friends and has whatever followers on top of that, and oh, I wow. barely use it. So it's yeah, even on Facebook, the pages, uh, it just kind of social in general. I always looked at it as as a tool. Cool. Um, so yeah, but LinkedIn is a great spot. Uh, it's just Hazer Novich, and Hazernovich? Uh, Instagram is a more um a little bit more of my sense of humor and a little bit more like personal probably the one place that i'm i'm spending a little bit more time on cool but yeah yeah we'll link up to both those in the show notes so people can find you yeah i I may have turned that statue into a a water fountain whoa yeah i probably won't post it on linkedin though because it kind of looks like an angel peeing (laughs) okay got it we'll yeah, still post so that's that's Be instagram warned, yeah, yeah that's exactly. instagram good 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 um well cool hazer this has been awesome uh, yeah really appreciate your time and i'm really excited about the pivot i feel okay. like we need to flip this around and interview you maybe someday your story's pretty interesting too i oh, didn't realize perhaps. we had uh, as many butte connections as we do yeah it's kind of cool um perhaps an- for another day yeah well thanks again um i this, I think this would be a favorite for folks, for listeners. So Thank you. I appreciate it for having me on. Great.